Hello and welcome to Bygones, the Ali McBeal rewatch podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Ali McBeal through 2022 eyeballs. Yeah. Yes, we do. 2022 in the head, those <laughs> eyeballs. 2022. <laughs> Say it with me now. Oh, yeah. 2022. Okay. Those. okay. All right. <laughs> I'm just excited because something exciting happens in today's episode and I don't want to spoil, but it's exciting. <laughs> You're like, hold on, hold on, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're looking for. Yes, yeah. yes, we, uh, we're getting into some, quite a few things actually, development-wise, like, yeah. happens. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in regards to some characters. And some exciting people as well, guest stars. Yes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 That is true. So, shall we uh, get cracking? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So, um, what are we doing? Today, we're going to be talking about um, season four, episode 15, Falling Up. Um, which when I first read it, it sounded like uh, I thought it was failing up, and I was like, "I thought it as well." Ahead of its time, like talking about I thought it was mediocre white men failing up. But like, (laughs) yeah, that would have been more appropriate, I think. But like, what the? I still don't. I've watched this episode several times to prepare for this podcast. I still don't really understand what this title has to do with anything. But other than that, never mind. Falling, but falling up. I don't think we see her falling up at any point. No. Um, always down. Always down. Um, so, uh, episode 15, Falling Up, first aired on February 26, 2001. We interrupt this program for Eleanor's cultural stuff. Brought to you by the Naughties. The other decade, more problematic than it looks. The US number one, and I mm-hmm. don't know this uh, song at all. Um, I doubt you'll know it, but let's see. Um, oh. the, the, artist, the artist, it's an artist I've never heard of. I don't think this guy, unless I was like in some kind of weird coma where I just blocked all existence of this artist out of like my um you're gonna say it now and it's gonna be like Enrique Iglesias (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna be like I don't know where were you uh, no the artist is Joe yeah I know Joe you know Joe my friend Joe (laughs) yeah Joe he's an R&B he's an R&B singer I've never fucking heard of this guy in my life. I looked him up on Spotify. He was quite Spotify. big in the States. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm guessing he must be because he's had quite a few albums out, including, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> he had, and I want you to look it up when I tell you what it is because it cracked me up. Um, <laughs> Joe, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, I want you to go to his Spotify and then look up his album from 2012 called Home is the Essence of Christmas and look at that album cover. Home is the Essence, I'm already laughing at the... (laughs) (laughs) So, it's 
the funny one one funny thing is that it's all in sepia tone apart from this giant bauble which is red so there's a giant bauble in the background and then there's joe in his like three-piece checkered tailored suit with his hand on his chin shades on um because you know there's you know what that sort of album cover says to me says to me that home is the essence of christmas Funniest fucking album cover I've ever seen. And, oh man, um, anyway, that is funny. <laughs> Joe featuring Mr. Cool is the US number one, and the song is Stutter, which is from yeah. His let me see if I can remember this. Called My Name Is Joe. <laughs> sure, bloody is. I'm just gonna see if I can listen to it. Hang on. It is so fucking funny. I, I don't think we'll hear this. I'm hearing oh. it on my headphones. Oh, okay. Let me see if I can remember it. You might want to put it in over uh, this. I'm, go- I'm just going to play it, actually. Let me... I think this is it. Oh, yeah, I know this one. Is that it? Hang on. No. That's like a remix. Tell me you were late last night. Yeah, I've never heard this song in my life. Oh, well, there you go. Now you have. Welcome. I'm glad you've been introduced to Joe. He's a good friend of mine. Um, Everyone's best buddy, Joe. Oh my God, hilarious. Um, So that was Joe. Um, (laughs) The UK number one is still Atomic Kitten and Hole Again. Uh, I told you, it's going to be number one (laughs) until, like, Christmas, pretty much. (laughs) Till the end of days. Okay, so, uh, 4th of March, a bomb explodes outside BBC Television Centre. The blast is later attributed to the dissident Irish Republic terrorists. And it suggested the BBC Panorama programme, which named individuals as participants in the Omar bombing, was the motive. I don't remember this. I don't know why, because I felt like I would have been aware of it. I have a vague memory of hearing that a bomb had gone off, like, near the BBC Hmm. television centre. I do have a vague memory of that happening. Do you have no... Were you in a weird coma then? Yeah, obviously I had like I, a blind spot I for bombing. A, I was in a Joe coma. You had a blind spot. You were for in a bomb coma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing I've got, the only other thing I've got, which um, I think you will remember, fifth of March, mm-hmm. Anne Robinson appears as a guest on an edition of BBC Two's Room One Hundred and One in which she nominates Welsh people for inclusion in the fictional Orwellian Room 101, describing them as irritating and annoying. Her comments provoke fury... kettle black. (laughs) Her comments provoke fury among Welsh politicians. An invitation to appear before the Welsh Affairs Select Committee as part of their investigation into Wales' overseas image, and an investigation investigation into the incident by the BBC Board of Governors. In addition, 
427 oh complaints are received by the Broadcasting Standards Commission. And I'm not North, surprised. And North Wales Police launch an investigation into allegations of racial hatred. Yeah, I mean, it, it bloody well is. I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't higher. Like, you can't just go around saying that a class of people... <laughs> yeah, it's like... So wrong. I can't believe that was allowed to be broadcast. I mean, you would have thought, like, yeah, where where were the producers, the editors, like, who okayed this being? Because Room 101 wasn't a live show, was it? It was no, no, not at all. It was yeah, recorded, yeah. so absolutely yeah. no excuse for letting Horrendous. that be aired. Um, it really was wild. It was. I do remember that happening. Um, yeah, it was very just crazy, crazy moves by people all round. Um, yeah, including so Joe. Is that all that was going on. <laughs> that is all, all that was going on in okay. two thousand and one, February twenty sixth. Good day. Right, so shall we fall up then somehow? <laughs> so <laughs> you <first. clears throat> We'll see. We'll see. And if you spot where this falling up comes into things. Please tell me because I'm at a loss. So, um, so Ali is on a plane, which is unusual for her. Um, and she asks the flight attendant how much longer it's going to be until they land. And she's generally, generally being quite sort of fidgety um, and annoying. And the flight attendant is like, um, so we just took off. <laughs> and Ali's like, oh, uh, all right. So can, can you tell me how long this flight is? And the flight attendant says that it's just over three hours. And I was going to be like, hang on a minute, Eleanor, fact check, because I'm pretty sure you told me that the flight to Detroit was like two hours. Well, that's what I saw. Hang on a second. I mean, unless planes have sped up since... Uh... Well, they have. That's true. Um, between, hang on a second. How long to fly from <laughs> Detroit to Boston? Yeah. See, mine says in the same time zone. A non-stop flight is one hour fifty-five. Yeah, they're the same time zone, so I don't understand why. Well, I guess flights were just slower then. Anyway, so yeah, she's, this flight for some reason is like taking the scenic route and it's just over three hours. Um, and Ali is like, oh, well, that's great because I'm going to Detroit. And the flight attendant is like, yes, as is the plane. <laughs> I did love that line. <laughs> yeah, and she's all like happy about going to Detroit and she sort of leads back and she sort of smiles at the person sitting next to her who is a nun um, and she goes, oh, don't you just love Detroit? And the nun is played by... I think we have to mention Catherine Houston or Houston. I don't know if how you pronounce it. It's with a J. Um, who is none other than Mrs. Lanningham from West Wing and Karen McCluskey from Desperate Housewives. And she's been in so much stuff. Like she's uh, yeah, that's the very one I, another I really knew her from with prolific. Desperate Housewives. Yeah, she's a really prolific actress. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was really nice to see her. Um especially as the last thing I've watched her in recently because we've just re-watched The West Wing and she, her character, spoiler alert, her character dies in that halfway through the, <laughs> the run. So it was, it was Wing, like, so. oh, Mrs. Lanningham, you're back! <laughs> 
um, and anyway, she she turns, she's a nun, and she turns to Ali and she's like, "Oh, have you got a fella there?" And Ali smiles like the biggest smile, and it's like, "Actually, I do." And the nun's like, "Oh, how long has it been since you've seen him?" And Ali's like, "Oh, six weeks." And the nun's like, "Well, I imagine he'll be quite frisky, probably picking out his little condom as we speak. Does he wear a condom, sweetheart? Or are you on the pill?" And Ali is like, dumbfounded, unable to speak. Um, as the nun continues saying, "Oh, they've got pills." for men now you know that honey oh they've got little pills for everything if he can't get firm they've got a little viagra pill and now they have these other little tablets to make the little spermy soldiers shoot blanks oh six weeks he's probably got the whole artillery lined up and ali who is now trying to get out of the most awkward conversation man, says she's gonna get up to go to the little lady's room and as she leaves her nun friend is like oh you're gonna put in your little diaphragm in i bet a three-hour flight dear it'll ride up on you and, and then Ali like practically runs to the bathroom door ah! and she goes she goes to open it as the flight attendant is like not that door then it's too late because Ali's opened the emergency door and she gets sucked out of the plane it's just a bad dream it's just a bad dream and Ali wakes up yelling about it and then when she realizes she was just dreaming, she gets out of bed and she sort of tippy toes into <laughs> Renee's room God. and sneaks into her bed and like rolls over to spoon Renee and tries to get back to sleep, which is when Renee rolls over and opens her eyes and Ali opens her eyes only to see that it ain't Renee. It's Jackson Duper. And they both scream and jump out of bed just as Renee comes back in and screams and asks Ali what the hell she thinks she's doing. And Ali is like really discombobulated and she's like, I thought Jackson was Renee. Um, and it, she turns to Jackson to apologize, but it seems that Jackson has lost lost the grip of the sheet that he was using to cover his modesty. And he's not only completely naked, but he's also apparently completely large of penis because Ali is just stuttering <laughs> and like, oh my God. And um, Renee tells Ali to get out as Jackson has like grabbed the pillow to cover his modesty. And Ali is trying to explain, being like, no, 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 Renee, I didn't know. And Renee's just like, get out, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> and we are in titles. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. This is why How you do not go into I'm just like poor super duper. Like <laughs> yeah, poor. That's that traumatic. That is traumatic. Rolling over and expecting to see like your partner there and it's some fucking like weird. Oh, it's Ali. <laughs> <laughs> Being Ali. Like Nobody deserves that. Can you that. imagine? Can you imagine no. that? I mean, you'd get nightmares, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <sighs> so the morning after the night before, um, Ali and Renee are being sex negative at the breakfast table and lamenting <laughs> together about Renee sleeping with Jackson on the first date because Renee can't believe she did it, which is, I think, unusual for her. I would have thought she'd be more like, no oh well I you know think, what I mean I think she it's it's so pure like uh a hangover from the 90s isn't it it's like yeah kind of real men can't uh, sleep with 
on the first date uh, no if you sleep with someone on the first date like forget about having a relationship with with you're a marked woman yeah it will never happen like yeah now he thinks you're a whore yeah well yeah so renee can't believe she did it and ali's like well me and larry waited two months what happened and renee's like okay well he dropped me off he was actually leaving and then we kissed and ali's like you kissed and Renee just looks at her, looks at her and it's like, Ali, we had sex. Like, and Ali's like, oh yeah, that's the end of the story. Like, oh yeah, right, right. Um, so, so you kissed on the first date, fine. Then what? And Renee's like, well, and then it sort of led to a second kiss. And during that second kiss, my hand just kind of slid down a little. And Ali's like, what do you mean slid down a little? It, it slid, oops, or it slid, I moved it. And Renee's like, I moved it. And Ali's like, frontal or backle? <laughs> Which I thought was funny. And Renee's like, backle. Um, and, uh, and Ali says, oh no. And then Renee says, um, and then after mine slid down, his kind of slid down and then we started grabbing and the next thing. And Ali's like, okay, okay, okay. Well, where is he now? And Renee's like, well, he left after you rushed in. He didn't even stay the night because he said, you know, and then they both kind of say together an early morning and they both know what that means. And Ali's thinking like, okay, damage control, look on the bright side. Okay, okay. Um, and she says, well, things happen. Just remember like me in the car wash. And Renee's like, yeah, but I like the guy, Ali. Watch, I'm never, ever going to hear from him again. <laughs> so yeah, quite a gloomy oh, morning for those two. Um, so off to work <laughs> they go. Um, and at Cajun Fish, that means weekly meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, hi-ho. Um, and Richard introduces the case of the week, and it is Bennett versus Clap, which is another annulment case. And he notices that they're becoming like a little niche firm on annulments. Um, and then John briefs everyone on the case and says, well, our client, Eric Bennett, took Mary Clapp to be his wife. Um, and what's funny is, while he's explaining this, Ali has sat down next to Jackson and they're both just like shuddering and like avoiding eye <laughs> contact with each other. Um, but John's saying, um, so one presupposition of the marriage is that they would raise a family. And now she has decided she doesn't want children, neither vaginally, nor through cesarean, <laughs> nor adoption. Obvious, obviously, <laughs> objection to the word obviously, that's unacceptable <laughs> to our client um, and he wants the union dissolved um, and now just gives this derisory oh please which is basically what I was thinking this whole time <laughs> and John's like thank you Nell for that thoughtful input and Nell goes on to say well is he prepared to stay home give up his job scrape pieces of vomit off the little burp blanket aspirate the mucus out of its little plug nose wipe its bottom clean from lime green poopy and John's like <laughs> Well, you've certainly hit the big issues. And I'm like, John, I'm sorry, but they are big These issues. Are the like, big issues. fuck off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, uh, we Mark... come back to this. <laughs> yeah. Well, then Mark is like, well, um, well, why don't they just divorce? And John's like, well, divorce is a blemish, Mark. And it could also be against God, depending on your religion. And then Richard asks if he's rich. And John's like, filthy. Annulment would be the right result. And then we hear Richard um, say, oh, well, it would be different if they had a child. But he's saying it in like Larry's voice. 
And Ali looks up at Richard, but she gets this other like hallucination that she's been having recently of Larry in someone else's place. So she's imagining Larry where Richard is standing. So she kind of gets up with this massive smile to go and give Larry a hug. But of course, she's hugging Richard. Um, <laughs> and Richard appears to be like delighted about it because he's like, well, uh, we're not quite done here, Ali. But you know, I love the uh, eager beaver uh, vulgarism. Um, and then at that, Ali kind of snaps out of it realizing that she was like hallucinating and she shoves Richard away from her and storms out of the meeting angry and as she walks past Elaine she's clearly kind of flustered and Elaine's like what's wrong and Ali's like um I'm starting to uh maybe I should get some fresh air and then she calls the elevator and she goes to step in it when it opens only to have another hallucination of falling down the shaft um oh dear <laughs> Oh dear, yes, yes, of the elevator, if that wasn't clear. Um, so this is a cue for therapy. Cut to Ali going straight to a new therapist who is played by Rhea Perlman, a.k.a. Carla from Cheers. Um, oh, I and totally did not recognise her. I thought you'd recognise her, because haven't oh you just done a God. rewatch of Cheers, or a watch of Cheers? Yeah, oh my God, I did not re- I'm going to have to go back and rewatch because I think because... <laughs> She clearly puts on a voice for cheers. Like she really, because she's got a really strong, like working class Boston accent in, in cheers. And I don't, she didn't have the same voice as far as I remember in, in Ali McBeal. Well, go back and check. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. I'm going back and checking that. <laughs> so she asks Amazing. if Ali has ever been to therapy before. And Ali's like, many times. And she says, But I feel like I've been doing so well lately. And then um the therapist runs down of all the issues she's been having recently, like airplane, yes, elevator, yes, hallucinations. And Ali's like, yes. Um, and she's sort of looking a bit dis- disconcerted at how quickly she's like rattling through this stuff. And then the therapist asks, like, how long Larry has been gone? And Ali says, Oh, well, six weeks. Um, and she says, and how long were you together before he left? And she's like, oh, two months. And then, then she looks kind of suspicious and is like, married? And Ali's like, no. Ever been? No. Him? And Ali's like, once. Children? Son? The mother? Detroit? And the therapist kind of looks at Ali like really sternly and just goes, uh, and he's coming back when? And Ali like is like reluctant to say, but eventually she's like, uh, well, he hasn't said. And the therapist just goes, hmm, skeptically. <laughs> and Ali's yeah. like, hmm, what does that mean? Hmm, that's what my dentist says when he sees the cavity. What does hmm mean? And the therapist very directly is just like, I see a cavity. End the relationship with this man. It's a dead end. Do it today. Is there anything else I can help you with? Oh but God. Ali's not satisfied with this advice. Um, and she's like, no, 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 no. He loves me. He does. And the therapist is like, sure, pal. And Detroit <laughs> is just so lovely in the winter. End the relationship. And Ali's like, he wants to be close to his son. And the therapist is like, yes, end the relationship. And Ali's like, you don't even know me. You don't even know him. And the therapist just goes, Ali, I've been doing this for a very long time. People move in one of two directions, forwards or backwards. One day, you two are together, looking lovingly into one another's eyes. And the next, he's in Detroit with the mother of his child. This is not forward. End the relationship. And Ali's just like staring at her, taken aback. So... Not the answer she wanted <laughs> no and i'm gonna throw in my objection 
Uh-oh. Are you objecting to Carla from Cheers? I am, and I hate it. Oh, no. I love Carla from Cheers. However, like, I think we've talked about this before, um, but I really don't like the way they portray therapists on no. this show. And it does, yeah. and this show isn't the only one that was guilty of doing this at the time. But, like, I just, no therapist would ever tell their patient to do something like this. Like, to just be like, you need to break up with that person. Like, do it. Go break up with them. Like, no therapist yeah. is gonna, it's, like, completely unethical. And I know it's yeah. done, like, in TV to, like, create inner conflict. And, like, also it's done as a kind of joke to have, you know, yeah. um to have someone like stomp all over sort of Ali's life the way they have the therapist do is like obvious like comedy. Um, yeah. But it's just that thing of like, I do think it is irresponsible because it does under- like understandably, you've never been to therapy and your only exposure to it is the stuff that you see on TV. Like I think a lot of people do think that oh is that what a therapist does is it like they direct you in your life like what to do and what not to do and it's like that's gonna put people off going to a therapist do you know what I mean yeah yeah um yeah I just like yeah I don't because that's not what therapy is anyone thinking about getting therapy go get therapy they won't tell you what to do with your life they won't tell you to dump your boyfriend And I feel like there are ways you can portray therapists in a more responsible way that's still funny. Like, I'm just thinking of, like, my high watermark for this sort of thing, which is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Like, yes. Dr. Macopian was a funny character. Yes. But I don't think it was an irresponsible way of portraying no, therapy she, in her character. She very much, you see her getting frustrated with her patient because she can't just tell um, Rebecca... Yeah what to do like it has yeah. to be patient-led like you can ask yeah. questions and you can hint at things but you can't outright direct someone to do something as huge as like end their relationship because you don't no. think it's a, a good one like it's no. just you know it's just um just not very well thought through in terms of impact but then that's pretty good yeah. with this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why are we surprised? We're not. Um, so, meanwhile, in court, John is uh, starting this case questioning their client, Eric Bennett, on the stand. Um, so Eric is describing the beginning of his relationship with his wife, saying... Um, well, while we were dating, we even talked about the names we like best for our children. And we talked about the number you wanted to have, which was four, which is a lot by today's standards. She didn't just want to have kids. She wanted to have a lot. And then he says, um, when she changed her position, it changed everything. I won't go so far as to say I was duped, which when he says that, the opposing counsel, who this week is played by none other than Wallace Shawn. Thank you very much. I have to say, though, sidebar, what is Wallace Shawn doing playing this kind of bit part at this point in his career? Like, he's done so much leading up to this. And he was, like, at that point in time, like, the voice of Rex in Toy Story. Like, he was really doing some... Like, I felt like he deserved more than just a tiny bit part in one episode like I felt like he deserved like at least like a guest star story arc over a few episodes but 
Um, what anyway, I maybe maybe he was because he seems like the perfect like opposing counsel yeah, to foil. John. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's I, where a lot of the comedy is in this, yeah, this episode. I wonder whether maybe he was just a fan of the show and was just yeah, like, maybe, and, and saw the the fun in being just put opposite John to play off of. Like, but I feel I like he could have that. done that more regularly than just one episode because he's only in this episode and it's i feel like that's like a shame but maybe it, that it had potential a, maybe that was a scheduling thing maybe he was busy with other projects maybe. you know maybe i was just Sometimes. sad that he was because i was like oh well it's sean and then i like looked him up and i was he, like oh he's only this in was, this episode this is 2001 isn't it yeah he's only yeah in this oh yeah one. so he's like he's doing uh voice acting he's doing yeah he's doing loads he's doing loads of stuff during 2001 so i think he was a very busy bee um he was doing oh well yeah he was doing a lot of stuff let's just enjoy him while we've got him (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah so um yeah anyway wallace sean objects to the word duped and john's like he didn't say duped and wallace sean is like I heard him say it. And then they kind of argue back and forth, like the toss about whether uttering it to say you wouldn't say it still amounts to saying it until Judge Walsh, who, of course, course. (laughs) this, brings some sanity to the proceedings, saying, let's just move along. Um, So Mr. Bennett continues saying, oh, well, we got married in large part to raise a family. That was the meeting of the minds when we entered into our marriage contract. And then Wallace objects again, saying, meeting of the minds, contract, he's pumped up the witness with buzzwords it's the court being duped now and john's just like like and wallace is just like buzzwords <laughs> which is really funny um very fun so that evening um back at ali and renee's apartment um they're both just kind of staring at their phones <laughs> willing them to ring um and renee points out that ali doesn't have to stare at her she can just call larry um but ali's like well you could do the same to jackson and renee's like no i can't and Ali's like why and she's like you know why and then renee's like i'll tell you this if he doesn't call after where he's just been he's a total pig and ali's like because everything has to be about her um is Larry a pig? And Renee's like, what? <laughs> but this therapist has clearly gotten to Ali because she's like, well, this therapist, cold as she was, it did sound a little like cold truth. Renee, it's been over a month and he's given me no real indication of when he's coming back. Now, maybe it does make sense for me to see other people, if for no other reason than to protect myself. And I, at this point, I was like, eh? <laughs> I was like, how does how does seeing other people protect you? Like... What? I don't know. I well, other than uh, protecting your pride, maybe, but I that's, don't know. Like that's just silly. I was like, naughty yeah. women were really just on another planet, really. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, So then Renee's like, you don't need to be protecting yourself because Larry went to Detroit because he has a child. He's got a family, and I was like. Well, I want a family. I mean, not now, not tomorrow, but someday, don't you? And Renee's like, yes. And Ali's like, well, 
I could be wrong, but we're both sitting here staring at our cell phones, neither of which are ringing. And I don't think we're making any progress. And then the doorbell rings, but they both think it's like their respective phones. So they go to like both grab them and open them and be like all breezy. I know it's a completely different tone. But yeah, um, but yeah, they're they're trying to answer their phones and then they realise it's the door and Renee jokes, oh, he's come back to surprise you. And Ali rushes to the door and opens it and we get like the plinky plonky, like wonderment unicorn music (laughs) as Ali sees Larry on the doorstep step and she grabs him and gives him a big old smooch but then the plinky plonk music stops and we see that she's hallucinating again and it's bloody Jackson because of course it is and Jackson just looks bewildered yes again it's like you got issues but Ali's just like uh, shrugs and mopes (laughs) off to her bedroom when I tell you that I tipped my head back and cackled what he said you've got issues i mean it's just like never have truer words been said oh my god because he says that again later and i literally wrote that in my notes never a truer word i mean i was just like wow this is hilarious like it's so funny yeah so ali like sorry just to go go ahead that scene what is going on with our DJ in this episode? Because it, in that scene, and in like uh, when he was also, uh, she thought he was there, and it was actually Richard. Like it looks like they've got him on some kind of green screen. There's just something about it that looks really off. Like, well, it's he, meant to look like ethereal to make it clear that he's not really there. Is, is it? So I'm he's just, got like an aura around him. Right. I think that's just special effect. Do you reckon that's is? Uh, I'm like, why? It just looks weird. <laughs> just I think it. it's just to make it clear to the audience that it is but, a hallucination. But because it's, it's clearly not when she goes to kiss him. And it's yeah. like, that's clearly not RDJ that she's kissing. And then it but turns I mean, into I think it's meant to be that like, ah, moment. Do you know I what think, I mean? I, I think they couldn't get RDJ for that. Like, I, I think um, in that scene, they couldn't get him to... Or rather, in those two scenes, they couldn't get him for some reason. Like the uh, schedule. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. Or just yeah, get more I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it could just be they wanted it to look like that. But yeah. I also think he looks really weird. Like in terms of like, I think they've put loads of makeup on him because he doesn't. Oh yeah, look good. he was like off his tits. Yeah, he does not look good, and he's got no. loads of makeup on. Like he's that's clearly... why he's been away. Yeah, exactly. Because he's, he's exactly messing about. Think, yeah. But it's that thing of like, especially in that scene, if you rewatch yeah. it, like he looks especially bad that that day. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, (laughs) sad times. So Jackson is explaining why he rushed off, etc., to Renee. um, And he says that it's because he's embarrassed because he slept with her on the first date. And Renee's like, well, why are you embarrassed? And Jackson's like, what? Men can't get embarrassed. That's just a woman thing. And Renee's like, yes, because guys don't want girls they can sleep with on a first date. That is a fact. And Jackson's like, well, do girls want guys they can have on the first date? And Renee's like, no. And Jackson is sort of like, oh, okay. Uh, Okay then, well, I guess it's settled. We must not want each other. And Renee doesn't say anything because I I think they're both like just letting their pride get in the way of 
getting together. Um, and Jackson starts sort of making moves to leave. But at this potential parting, Ali, who has been listening from her room, patron saint of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> lovelorn couples everywhere, comes bursting in going, no, 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 no. Now, of course you want each other. You just listen to your... Um, and Renee just shakes her head at her and she goes, striding hands. <laughs> and now you are going to kiss her like a gentleman and then you're going to leave like a gentleman and then you're going to call tomorrow like a gentleman and you're going to make dinner plans. Kiss her! <laughs> like a deranged, like, Silla Black. <laughs> and Renee and Jackson just sort of narrow their eyes at each other at an alley and Jackson just goes, I maintain you got issues. <laughs> and that's where I was like, never a truer word, Jackson. Never a truer word. I was glad that Ali used uh, self-appointed love fairy powers for good. Because I was like, <laughs> they were being really proper fucking stupid. Like, yeah, like, they oh, were. Well, I guess because I'm not going to give in first. Yeah. Because we've already had sex. I guess that doesn't, that, that means you don't want to be with me. And it was just like, what? Guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? what are you talking about? You None of this makes people. any sense. No, like what, yeah. what in the world? So for once, yeah. I thought Ali's interfering was actually, you know, Warranted. On, on the side of good. <laughs> yeah. So the next day back in court, it's Wallace Sean's turn to cross-examine Mr. Bennett. And he says... Is it your testimony before this court of law that my client did not intend to have children on the day you were wedded in holy matrimony? And Mr. Bennett is like, well, I never said that. Um, and Wallace is like, so she changed her mind. And he's like, well, yeah, probably. And Wallace is like, thank you. And is it your testimony before this court of law that when two people join hands in holy matrimony, they then become precluded from changing their preconceived aspirations towards parenthood? Is that your testimony before this court of law? And John is like, <laughs> objection! We know this is a court of law. None of us are here to strike up a game of tennis. And then Wallace points angrily at John and is like, sanctions! And John continues saying, throwing out verbiage like holy and matrimony and court of law, all of these revered terms hoping the reverence will rub off on him somehow. This from a man who objects to the word duped. And Judge Walsh has already had enough and it's not even <laughs> 10 o'clock. And he's like, listen to me, both of you. I want this jury to hear the witnesses, not the lawyers. Mr. Cage, let him finish. And so Wallace Sean continues and says... Mr. Bennett, you have no actual or constructive knowledge, do you, sir, in this court of law, that my client, as she took her vows, and by that, sir, I meant at the time she took them contemporaneously with the ceremony itself, do you know, sir, that my client at that particular juncture did not plan to have children? And Mr. Bennett, confused as to why he's basically being asked the same question twice, just more elaborately, is like, <laughs> well, I already said she may have changed her mind after. And Wallace Sean is like, thank you. That concludes this portion of my cross-examination. <laughs> so John has come back to the office and is pacing and is troubled because he feels like he's not doing very well in court against Wallace Sean. Um, and Melanie is there and she's trying to help him. And she's like, are you, are you losing? And John irritably is like, I might be. He made a very good point at the end about the state of mind at the time of the wedding. And he punctured my momentum on direct. Then he made a good point to close his cross. He's an objectionable little man who makes good points. Damn it. And Melanie goes, damn it. And, slams the <laughs> and then she tries to cheer him up saying... Well, listen, she's going to get up there and testify and you're going to work your John Cage magic on her. 
and maybe I'll come by and watch and get all hot with desire just watching you. And then she starts sort of nibbling his earlobe and John gets all like giddy and giggly. And he's like, oh, that would be an overture. And Melanie's like, yes, it would be. Um, but then he just suddenly is distracted and turns to Melanie and it's like, can you imagine the woman suddenly decides she doesn't want children? I mean, isn't that the essence of getting married? <laughs> that's where I'm like, I think you should speak to Joe because home is the essence of Christmas. <laughs> children are the essence of marriage. <laughs> that was Joe's lesser known follow up album. <laughs> Is Joe short for John? Is John <laughs> Joe all this time? Oh my god, great. Oh my god. <laughs> so, yeah, John says, isn't that the essence of getting married? And um, at this, Melanie stops and is like, the, the essence? No. And John's like, well, but it's it's one of the essences. And Melanie's just like, uh, uh, John, I, I don't want to have children. And John's like, ah, funny. And Melanie's like, no, I, I don't. And John's like, you don't? May I ask why? And Melanie says, well, don't get me wrong. I, I love kids. That's why I teach. I just don't. And then as she's starting to explain, John interrupts with a nose whistle and she realizes that she's upset him. And he's just like, oh, no, no, no. Um, and then they both stutter. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just I'm due back in tennis. I, I mean, at court. And then rushes off. And, and so it's clear that she has upset him. And I was just like, oh, why are men? I know. <laughs> it's that thing of like, right, so you run away from the difficult conversation. Like, sorry. <laughs> No wonder you're so naive about the world and, like, what women want. Well, this is the man that had a fantasy with Nell of them, like, making Nell, like, goddess of the courtroom as, like, stupid little Stepford wife, housewife. housewife. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just like, oh, I expect nothing less. My sweet summer child. Yeah. So... Allie is on her way into the office looking down at the ground and not where she's going as Vonda is singing a song called Helpless, which is by the Manhattan Transfer. Um, but as always, she bumps into someone um, and they kind of do that thing where they keep going in the same direction side by side, preventing each other from moving forwards. And it turns out that it's Richard who she's doing this weird little dance <laughs> with. Um, and he's like, Allie, what's wrong? Um and Ali's like, oh, nothing, nothing's wrong. Everything's great. But like sarcastically. Um, and Richard's like, Ali, we've always confided in each other, haven't we? And Ali's like, no. <laughs> and Richard's like, whatever, you need to talk. I'm here. And then he goes to like leave. But Ali pushes him back in front of her. And it's like, well, it's just that I feel so lucky to have somebody that it, it hurts so much to be apart from. I mean, most people don't have that. Um, and Richard is just sort of smiling and nodding and not really like following. And Ali continues anyway, saying, um, I know, you know, that, that a love that is so strong is, is with you even when he's not. And it, it should keep you strong. And it, it, it has. I mean, I'm stronger than I've ever been. But see, I just, well, I get my weekdays. And Richard, who is trying to say something useful, um, says, well, John and I went to see a therapist. But Ali, who's been burnt by the last therapist she saw, is like, no, 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 no. And it's like protesting hard. Um, But Richard is like, this guy is different. 
and he says it so loudly that it makes a passerby stop and stare at them, which Richard is like, and like gestures at him to get him to move on, which I thought was really funny. Um, And then Richard continues trying to talk around to the idea and he's like, you know, I can't say I like him, but he got results. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like, yeah, no. Did he? Like, you guys did the opposite of what he said. You rejected everything he said to you and said he was wrong. Like, (laughs) I'm like, how are they like retconning this? Like, it literally just happened last episode. I don't know. But anyway, um, Richard says he didn't tell us what was going on. He kind of made us cover the roots by ourselves. And Ali is like, I don't want my roots discovered. I just want Larry. (laughs) But Richard is like, look at me. You've been walking around our offices being the source of strength for everybody else, Ali. And I was like, fact check or the custodians of their misery like making sure that they can't move forward in any way shape and form and keeping them in their unhappy partnerships is that strength or is that just you know misery enabling. who knows enabling misery. yeah exactly but richard says you have to let yourself cry with somebody and frankly i don't have the time or the interest and this therapist is good give him one try and i'll find the way to pass the cost on to a client um, and I was like, well, that's nice, I guess, as Ali like, <laughs> takes the card reluctantly. Um, so in the office, um, Jackson's in the bathroom, like looking in the mirror, adjusting his tie. And Ling comes in. He's like, hi, Ling. And Ling's like, oh, yeah, nice tie. And Jackson's like, yeah, I just got it. And Ling just is just trying to go about her bathroom business and gets in a stall. <laughs> as Jackson is kind of like, oh, yeah, big date tonight. And Ling comes out immediately asking if that's with Renee. And Jackson's like, yeah. And he's like, well, how well do you know her? And Ling's like, well, pretty well. The girls have had a lot of slumber parties at their place. Um, And Jackson's like, well, I'm not missing anything, am I? She's not like an axe murderer or something. Like, she's a pretty good woman. And Ling's like, yeah, she's a great woman. And Jackson's like, oh, cool. Okay, thanks, Ling. Um, And Ling's like, well, well, where are you going on your date? And Jackson's like, well, we're going to have dinner and then we'll stop by the bar because Renee's supposed to be singing. So maybe we'll see you there. And Ling's like, yeah, maybe, like all upbeat. But then when Jackson leaves, her smile drops and she's like, <sighs> like, it's wistful. I mean, I think it's... She like, loves him. Uh, she wants to kiss him. <laughs> But I think it's really, it's kind of, you know, um, character growth that she doesn't like shit all over Renee Sabotage. to, to yeah, Jackson. Yeah, like, I thought that was nice. I can imagine an earlier version of Ling doing that. Um, yeah. But also, what I thought was really funny is she, like, literally went into the cubicle for, like, two seconds and walked straight out. And then like, what's that? Jackson has a date? Washing her hands? <laughs> yeah. Why are you washing your hands, Ling? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know. to make out that, like you don't urinate like the rest of us do. <laughs> it's never bad to just wash your hands, personal hygiene. But like, she's not done anything. <laughs> well, I guess she has there. touched the door and the door is touched by people who... I thought she, she was trying to make out like she you know. doesn't need to you know, go to the loo like normal human beings. Nah, I think of, she's just like... Jackson. She's like, I don't, no. I don't actually need to defecate. I'm just... I go and I just release the bad vibes. <laughs> <And then> I <laughs> vibe. 
No, I think in America, especially, they're really hot on hygiene. Um, and I think if you like set foot in a bathroom, you're, you're washing your hands, you wash regardless your hands. of what you're doing in there. But she literally, yeah. she if you watch the scene, she goes into the cubicle for two seconds, comes out, washes her hands, Jackson leaves, and then she clearly goes back to the cubicle. So it's like, what was the point of that? Well, I just think she was like, I don't know where I'm going after this. I might as well just wash my hands. But yeah. um, Okay. So, hand washing saga aside, back in court. um, Wallace Sean is now questioning the wife, Mary Clapp, about why she changed her mind about dem babies. Um, And she says, first off, the world is overpopulated. Let's not forget that. Schools are overcrowded. People are starving. I think the automatic mindset that everybody should have children needs to be addressed. I was like, agree, but maybe not right here, right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to happen in this court case. Carry on. (laughs) (laughs) As she's speaking, Melanie's kind of snuck into the gallery. um, And Wallace is like, yes, but I'd like you to focus, if you could, on your specific decision making. Could you tell the jury as they sit here performing their civic duty in this court of law why you, Mary Clapp, did not want offspring? And she's like, well, I just didn't feel equipped to raise them. I enjoy my job. As an only child, I admit I was raised rather selfish. I began to question my capacity to make the necessary sacrificing sacrifices that parenting requires. And I quite frankly didn't think it would be fair to the children. And then we see John crossing and he's like, so for the good of the children, you decided not to give birth to them? Oh, <laughs> Wallace God. objects, but Judge and Judge Walsh allows it. Um, and then John's like, well, now, Miss Clapp, is it not true that at the time you got engaged to my client, you expressly wanted to have children and you knew that he wanted them, didn't you? And Miss Clapp is like, well, yeah, but... And then John cuts over her to say... And you knew that one of the reasons he, in fact, got married was to, in fact, have children. Isn't that a fact? And Wallace objects because he's like, too many facts. <laughs> I think that's my favourite objection ever. <laughs> it's when he goes, objection, objection too, too many, many facts. facts. <laughs> it's like, but John, beautiful, John, I love it. John keeps going, saying... And after you marry this man, who you happens to be of considerable wealth, you suddenly decide not to have children. Is that what happened? And Ms. Clapper's like, yes, but I didn't dupe him. And John says, well, what kind of person doesn't want children? And then Wallace rightfully objects again. But John just keeps going and says, is it the kind that says uh, they do? And then says, kidding, after they qualify for alimony. And Judge Walsh then gives John a warning. But John looks at Melanie, who's kind of, shifting in her seat knowing that John's talking about her as he says well this man planned a life for you you just decided to switch the plan didn't you and Miss Clapp doesn't answer and John goes well you're right Miss Clapp any woman who doesn't want children certainly has no business being a mother and I was like well, yeah that's that's the point John <laughs> <laughs> well done I, argued I, your own I, I point. Have, I have some feelings about this that we will address later um but yeah. yeah, no, I know. And at that point, uh, that no, no, at that point, Melanie then shouts "pipsqueak" from the gallery, and everyone turns <laughs> to stare at her as John says, "Nothing further, Your Honor, except to say repugnant," referring to Melanie. Um, and Judge Walsh then dismisses the witness, and then Melanie like squeals, quickly followed by John, and the whole court jumps. <laughs> See, I was like, yeah. "Who are you calling?" Rep- John, like he was, he was referring to Melanie. I just he looked back terrible. at her and he was like repugnant. 
Yeah, oh, I thought that was awful. really off. That was really awful. And also, I, know. I just, um, <laughs> see, <laughs> it was so funny because at first, which, when Mary is like, um, oh, you know, overpopulation is a real issue. I was like, oh, okay, Mary's like pretty ahead of her time. Like, good on you, Mary. Yeah, that is an important issue that, that should be addressed. And then it was like, also, I'm kind of really selfish. I was like, oh, no, okay, great. <laughs> don't worry, never mind. I'm a shit woman because <laughs> I don't want kids. <laughs> I know, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Mary, one step back. One step forward, two steps back. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, Mary, like, childless woman icon. And then I was like, oh, no, don't worry. <laughs> Never mind. Don't worry. Cool, 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 cool. Yourself. Nothing to see here. Great, 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 great. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ali has now gone back to see Richard and John's therapist. I don't know how she gets these appointments so quickly. Like, either they've got, like, no clients or, yeah, or that, yeah. yeah. They can't be that good. But anyway... Dr. Madison, um, and it's another guest spot, obviously, from Fred Willard. Um, and he is laying back with his feet up and his eyes closed so that her words can presumably wash over him um, <laughs> as she tries to kind of just think out loud and talk about the meaning behind the visions that she's seeing. And she's saying, um, well, I understand about the airplane and the elevator thing uh, falling, you know. Um, it's about lack of foundation or feeling unsafe. But the nun... <sighs> I, I really believe she was judging me. I mean, she was very sweet. You, you would have liked her, but, well, when you talk to a nun about birth control, it's, um, well, it's not like we were dishing. And Dr. Madison asks if he can open his eyes, and he sits up, and he says, um, Ali, it's likely you view the nun as a symbol of celibacy and on some level regard sex foremost as a means of procreation. You're going to see the man you love flying on a plane talking to a nun about birth control. You want to marry Larry Paul and have his children. It's really not complicated. And Ali's like, but, but so why did I fall out of the plane? And Dr. Madison just goes, because deep down, you know it will never happen. Let me salute your insight. And Ali's just like, huh. <laughs> oh my God. I do that. It's funny. Yeah. So funny, funny therapist today. Yeah. So in court, it's time for closings. So John goes up first and it's like, uh, the reason many people marry, the reason they got married, was to start a family. Eric Bennett dreamed of it, in fact. Mary Clapp shared that dream, or so she declared, to have and raise a child. Now, what greater joy is there? And at this point, Melanie is like, poop! From the gallery. And <laughs> John's like... <laughs> yeah. John just goes, all right. My client got married to Mary Clapp to start a family, after which she declares she doesn't want children. Well... There's no union here. There was no coming together and this marriage should be rightfully dissolved. And then Wallace Sean has his turn and he says, a marriage is about many things, children sometimes being one of them. But Mary Clapp's wedding vows went to Eric Bennett to love and cherish and be faithful to him. Many men dream of conceiving their own biological offspring. Do we dissolve their marriages if their wife turns out to be infertile? Of course not, because marriage it fundamentally is about two people committing to each other. Mary Clapp stands by that commitment. Do we really mean to suggest here that a woman shouldn't be free to change her mind about whether she wants to have a child? Come on. <laughs> I was like, come yeah, on, indeed. Come on. <laughs> 
no prizes for guessing whose side we're on yeah. in our retrial episode <laughs> for Patreon. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry, we'll find some other things to say. Yeah. It's worth listening. <laughs> um, so, uh, next, well, here's something we haven't heard in a while. The familiar strings of the Wicked Witch theme tune as Ling stalks through the office. But then it's followed by a little John kind of theme tune walking because yeah. he's walking through the complex also looking equally annoyed with a little kind of Wicked West Wicked West Wicked Witch like <laughs> of the West Wicked <laughs> West theme song no it's like a John version of the Wicked Witch theme tune it's like like an oboe and horns and stuff um, which I thought was really funny I thought that was a really nice like little musical gag yeah um and it's because he's very angry and he's like off to storm off to his office and like have a sulk but <laughs> melanie is there and he gets startled by her because she's kind of hidden by the hat stand as he comes in and they scream at each other and flap <laughs> their arms and like perfect unison <laughs> as john is like you interrupted my closing and melanie's like oh you know for somebody who reveres marriage you have a funny place of locating its essence and John retaliates with, and for somebody who doesn't even believe in marriage, you're an odd choice to be. And Melanie cuts over him and is like, please don't call me odd. And then John accuses her of faking her tics in the courtroom and calls her a stutterhead, which Melanie thinks is really funny. And John, because of the way he said it, because he kind of stuttered whilst he said it. <laughs> <laughs> and John's like, sorry. And then Melanie sighs and is like, do you really believe that marriage is mainly about children? And John's like, no, but the magic of childhood and Melanie's like well who says they're all magical and I was like quite yeah. like it's not all sweetness and light um and John's like oh ah we're talking about you but Melanie's like no we're not my childhood was fine and John's like don't lie and Melanie just goes oh balls and John's like um oh fine and Melanie goes splat and John goes well great run me over then <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, I uh, thought that then, was like a borderline psychopathic joke. I was just like, that's, that's No, I think cool. it was just like making light of like the ticking because that's what they do because um, they both do it. But anyway, um, but then Melanie is like, well, why is life about looking backwards? And John says, I'm not looking backwards. And Melanie's like, yes, you are. You're trying to relive your childhood. That's backwards. But John's like, no, I'm looking forward to a future and imagining it with somebody who neither believes in marriage nor in having children. It's rather bleak. And he just kind of flops into his chair and Melanie just leaves and John swings around and goes poop in frustration on his chair. Oh, John. Oh, those guys. <laughs> so then it's the end of the day. And where do we go? to toss our cares away <laughs> the bar yes so Vonda's Iquettes but not Vonda weirdly is, are singing like Since You've Been Gone sadly not the Kelly Clarkson yeah, pop but say, Aretha Franklin <laughs> no it's not that it's an Aretha Franklin song which to be honest is just as fun so um, that's fine but not for Ali um, she's not into it because she's like oh since you've been gone yeah great love the theme but Richard is like well it's Motown night and Ali's like Motown night and Richard says, yeah, like Detroit, home of the Tigers, Lions, Larrys. And Ali's <laughs> like, that's not funny. Um, and then Elaine shares with the group that Jackson and Renee are going to be singing a duet later, which that obviously just irritates Ling and puts her in a bad mood. 
um, because she has this like dark look on her face and Elaine's like well you know what they say when two people are singing together they're doing it and Elaine's like it's their second date Elaine and Elaine's like oh come on Renee's a bigger tramp than me and everyone like turns and looks at her because Mark's sitting right next to her and she's like uh, th- th- then I used to be uh, and Mark's like yeah sure and then John <laughs> arrives lovely bit of slut shaming from Elaine followed by Mark still being very upset that his girlfriend is had sex before <laughs> i'm like, really not a fan of a mess <laughs> in the slightest yeah so uh then john arrives and he says he needs to speak to ali urgently so they have to get because obviously it's like the middle of february they have to get all their hats and coats on because it's snowing outside just so you can have a conversation and he's pulled ali outside the bar and asks if he can ask her a personal question and ali's like uh sure and John's like, well, at some point you want to have children, right? And Ali immediately thinks he's talking about her because it's Ali. Um, and it's like, damn it, damn it, damn it. Why does everybody think that he's not coming back? I've got two therapists telling me to move on. And now I've got a horny nun. And now I've got you. Well, you know what? You know what? Thanks a lot, John. And like wheels around <laughs> storm back in. But John's like, Ali, I'm talking about me and Melanie. And Ali sort of walks back and goes... Oh, she <laughs> and John's like, she doesn't ever want to ha- have children. We just had a big fight. And he just looks really sad. And Ali's like, well, well, hey, 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 John, couples fight. Like, obviously, she's immediately in, like, keep them together. Look on the bright side <laughs> mode. And John's like, well, I mean, if you have a couple and one wants a child and the other doesn't, that can't be good, right? And Ali's still trying to reassure him, saying that she'll probably come round. And then yeah. she says, I mean, many people, and, and I know some, John, they say that they never want to have kids, okay? But then they meet the right person and suddenly yeah. everything changes. <laughs> like the idea of conceiving another being with somebody you love is much more powerful than the abstract idea of having children. And then she kind of, tells him not to give up on Melanie and John sort of says well I agree to think perhaps I should go and do that and then he says thanks to Ali for her help and then as an afterthought he says by the way I never for a second thought that he wouldn't come back I mean the man knows what he has Um, and Ali looks really like bolstered by that and goes back inside just as Jackson and Renee start their duet which is they've chosen until you come back to me which is written by stevie wonder but um aretha franklin also did a version too and there's really no way to describe this duet other than fucking hot (laughs) i mean exactly what you want from a duet by lisa and tay like i just want to say like roll clip because i can't do it justice i'm not gonna sing Brilliant. It is great. It is really, really like the chemistry. The chemistry. The chemistry. <laughs> we have not seen the likes since uh, Dr. Butters, Greg Butters oh, yeah. was on the show. Greg Butters. I mean, Greg obviously. Butters and Renee. <laughs> Ali, Ali and Larry aside. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I'm not 
So Ali joins the table um, and Richard's like, oh, what's up with the biscuit? And Ali's like, oh, stuff. And then she's like, oh, wow, at Renee and Jackson, because you just cannot miss the vibe. You know? <laughs> and Elena's like, they are totally doing it because Renee and Jackson are like so hot for each other. They're practically like dripping all over the stage. And Ling is just looking really uncomfortable. And she's just like, Elaine, can you just listen to the song? And Richard you can see like he noticing he's noticing Ling's kind of reaction as he kind of he's sort of sitting behind her um and Ali's still grumbling about the choice of songs because she's like oh till you come back yeah just love tonight's theme um and Elaine is now like glowing with like thirsty sweat and she's sort of idly dabbing her face with a napkin because I mean well it's Jackson how can you not and then she says she says to Mark like I want us to do a number together and Mark's just like, I can't, I can't sing. And then he's like, I can teach you. If you love me, you'll do a number with me. I want to be hot like them. And I was like, Elaine, you're never going to be hot like them with Mark. With like, you've got to look at your raw this, materials yeah, here. What you have here is a potato. Tepid at best. Mark is a tepid, boiled <laughs> potato. <laughs> Flavourless. Jackson is like hot chocolate. You have hot tepid, spicy boiled chocolate. Potato. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a hot potato. Tepid. tepid. Lukewarm. <laughs> oh, Not cool. Dear. Don't mean. So, yeah, Elaine, you need to, as soon as she ditches this dead weight the better i mean but yeah is that, is that the end of that scene no 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 so she's okay. saying <laughs> she's like continuing to dab her sweat off and richard who's still watching them is like i totally agree with you elaine they must be biblical <laughs> and ling again is annoyed it's like hey can we just be quiet and enjoy the number and richard's like sure uh mark could you pass the feminine napkins please which is obviously a reference to show how wet everyone is but ling like thumps him on his chest and it's like <laughs> quiet <laughs> And Renee is like rubbing up and down Jackson's <laughs> leg and it's all like a lot. Um, and it's clearly too much for Ling to witness because Ling gets up and leaves. Too and much. Nell and Ali, Nell and Ali kind of share raised eyebrows because they've noticed that Ling's like mood is obviously telling them all something and Richard is yes. realising what this means for him and Ling. Yeah, so I, uh, first of all, like, uh, you know, I often do not have a lot of sympathy for Richard because he doesn't deserve it most of the time. But I think, I, I do genuinely feel quite sorry for him in this moment. Like, And I think maybe that's just the the power of um, Greg, is it Greg German or is it Greg German? Greg German. No, Greg, Greg German. Greg Ger yeah, I think that's just the power of like Greg German's ability to look like proper fucking gutted. Like, yeah, he um, does in do that, that well. Scene. Like, I, I do actually feel quite sorry for Richard because it is very clear that Ling is clearly uh, unhappy and jealous that, that Jackson is with Renee. Um, but also... Um, what the fuck have they done to Nell's hair? Like, because it looks like they've put <laughs> she they've put so much. <laughs> Did you notice this? Did you notice yeah. they put yeah. like so much product? I think in her hair that it's gone like clumpy. <laughs> like that like... was that was a look 
at the time. I remember that like PC, the PC kind of gelled bits of hair. It was definitely a thing. I don't know why it was ever a thing, but it was a thing. Terrible. I know, I know. I know. We've got some fantastic, talking of raw material, we've got some fantastic raw material there. And you're just fucking it up royally. Um, Over-engineered it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And then, like, uh, Ali, why are you giving John, like, false hope over, like, Melanie changing her mind about children? Like, it's just so, like, that's such terrible advice to give someone. I mean, come on, this is Ali McBeal. When has she ever given good advice? I think we can count on one hand the number of times it's happened. And like a, a, a stopped clock is right twice a day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I mean, this is this is like pretty terrible advice. Like, so this, She's so this bad. goes into like the top five terrible pieces of advice that Ali has ever given. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so later that night Vonda is singing one of her old classics try to remember from the Fantastics musical as Ali is sort of just laying on top of her covers and not sleeping Um, and then she sort of glances at her freezer in her bed and in her bedroom I should say and gets up and like wanders over to it opens the door and is sort of looking sadly at her uh, snowman Larry like sad and all wistful um, and she's obviously like missing him and it's keeping her awake so then she like wanders past Renee's room and she can hear that the TV's been left on and so she comes in calling Renee's name like softly and as she enters the room she sees that um, Jackson and Renee are like asleep spooning each other facing the, the door so she's like facing their faces um, and she sort of instead of just like leaving like a normal person <laughs> would when you realise like, oh, there's I not just leave. Renee there. She stares at them and smiles at them. And I, this is my... I'm like, you do not. Like, I, I'm barely giving her a pass for like coming in in the first place, regardless of whether she's heard the TV or not. But like, if you've come in and noticed that she's got company and that company <laughs> and her are asleep, like you do not just watch people you, sleep. You turn yourself around and you get out. Please, <laughs> you go. And then you don't do what she then goes to do, which is to slowly reach to pick up the TV remote, which is on Renee's bed. <laughs> and just as she reaches for it, Jackson rolls over onto her hand, which is now stuck, like pinned between the bed and his groin. And she tries <laughs> to like Christ. gingerly remove it without waking him up. But obviously he does. Not gingerly and he's like, enough. Hey, hey. And Ali's like, uh, 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 it's not what you think. And this obviously commotion wakes Renee up, who's like, what is going on? And Jackson's like, she's back. Renee, That's what's going Renee, on. Renee, who's like, why are you trying to ruin ruined my life Ali <laughs> and Ali is like no no really I just came in looking for the remote for the, the, oh, the, 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 the television and Jackson is like I felt her hovering I think she was watching us and Ali's like were you watching us and Ali's like well as a matter of fact yes I was it was nice it just made me feel a little less lonely for a second to just oh, look God. at you two 
Stop. And Renee and Jackson quite lightly, quite rightly look back like concerned at her. And Ali leaves just being like, I really was just, just going for the remote. It was just, and then she sort of tippy toes away, like pads oh out. Oh my God. It's like she Ali, has got issues. If you don't want to be accused of being a creep, don't be a fucking creep. Stop it. <laughs> I know there's that whole thing what I said earlier which is like why are men I really feel like there should be like a why is Ali (laughs) why is Ali (laughs) oh my god oh my god mad mad as a box of chocolate what's it mad mad as a box of frogs that's it (laughs) anyway uh, no we shouldn't make light of mental health issues I should say but um there is something she's got issues as Jackson said <laughs> she's so, got issues <laughs> the next day um the jury has the verdict on John's case and they have found in favor of Miss Clapp and they rule the marriage shouldn't be annulled and John apologizes for losing to Mr Bennett and then um as they're kind of filing out Melanie's like by the door and she was watching and she says to John kind of sadly that she didn't sleep much last night and she could barely tick um, and so they agreed to go back to John's office and talk and they go to his secret toilet hole <laughs> and John starts by saying that um he doesn't understand basically her reasoning for not wanting to have children he says my problem is you love children And Melanie's like, of course I do. And John's like, hear me out, damn it. He says, I mean, you teach children, you write children's books, you love them and you get them, Melanie. You totally tap into their magic, their world. And my point is, I don't believe you. Like, when you say you don't want them, I don't believe you. You know, Ali said something that, well, I mean, she implied that many couples, when they opt to have children, they're motivated to celebrate their union and to have a baby with the person you love most in life. I mean, what could be richer than that? And I think at some point you're going to meet the man who you want to have children with. And I, I just don't think you've met him yet. This is about me, evidently. And he just is really sad. And he just says, I'm not the one, am I? And he just looks so sad. And Melanie also <sighs> sad says, well, you could very well be the one. You could be the love of my life and I'd still walk away from you. Oh, John, I was married once, years ago, happily, happily married, and I walked away. And John's like, why? And Melanie says, because it's what I do. Things flatten out. Normalcy, contentment, and I walk away. Children you have to believe in forever before and John starts nodding because he kind of is understanding where she's going and Melanie tearfully says I love you I don't want to go today or tomorrow but I am gonna go one day and John's just like I don't understand I mean you say you love somebody and then you know you and he just stops shaking his head like not understanding any of it and and Melanie's like it's just what I do I, I told you I would work on it and I did, I, I do, I will, I am but I know that one day I'm going to go away and she's at a whisper now and John says in a small voice as well um, well then maybe, you know before either of us get too hurt you know, maybe maybe it should be today 
and Melanie knows that he's right somewhere like deep down and but she also can't quite believe that this is where they've got to and she sort of starts to cry and there's not really anything left to say so she gets up to leave but we've kind of sort of heard noises from the bathroom and John says I think there's someone in the unisex so she sits back down to wait for them to leave and John just rests his head on her hand so it's so the... sad because it's just I like... know yeah, it's really horrible because clearly Melanie is someone who understands all the nice things about having children, but she also knows that she's ultimately incompatible with some of the hard things about having children, like being a constant, stable presence in that child's life. And so yeah. that's why, you know, it's because of that she wouldn't, you know, she knows she wouldn't be a good parent. And so that doesn't mean she's lying about not wanting children. It means she's taken a look at, like, the objective, you know, the situation as is. I'm this type of person. I know that this is something I I, I cannot do forever with one person. So I don't, I don't want to bring a child into... A, I, I yeah. would just leave. Like, you know what I mean? And I just think, like, yeah. that... Yeah, I think Ali's put the wrong ideas into John's head. And so John's taking it like, oh, this means you don't love me enough. Because if you loved me enough, I yeah. you, you would want to have a baby with but me. But that's not it. That's not yeah, it exactly. at all. It's just very sad. Like, I think it is fair that if she's saying like, oh, I just, I will leave at one point. Like, even though you could be the love of my life, I'm just going to leave. I think it's fair that he turns around and sort of ends it there. Oh, 100%. That was the you know. right thing to do. But and but it doesn't make it any less sad. No, on, it's Like, she sad. knows it's the right thing to do as well. Because, yeah. you know, it's not fair to ask someone to stay with you when you both want so such fundamentally different, different, different things. things. Yeah. And they were always going to get to this point if that's what they both believe. Um and, you know, it's just at what point you have that conversation. And, and clearly, obviously, naturally, it's, it's come up at this point. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, after that sad scene, um, we fade into Elaine and Mark in the bar. And they are rehearsing their chosen duet, which is a song from a chorus line um, called What I Did for Love. Um, which is basically the rehearsal consists of Elaine singing on her own and then Mark hissing, well, when do I sing? And Elaine just like, no, 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 it's me, it's all me. Um, but then it kind of fades into Vonda singing that song on the, on the kind of audio soundtrack as we see Ali walking down the street thinking and looking sad. Um, and she gets home and she takes off her coat and heads into the living room where she and the music stops dead and she's confused because her snowman Larry is just like in the middle of the room and she's sort of it's obviously alive. wondering how on, how on earth this <laughs> happened. And she wheels around because from behind her, Larry pipes up saying, You stuck me in a freezer. And I was like, Yay! Larry! I was like, God, it feels like forever. I mean, it's only been a few episodes, right? But it's been like forever in my head. I mean, it but, feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> Ali can't believe that he's here. And she just goes, are you back? And Larry's like, I'm back. And Ali's just 
trying to find the words as Larry's like, look, I'm not much better at hellos than I am at goodbye. Um, but then <laughs> Ali just finds her voice and interrupts and is like, how long? Like, is this a visit or how long are you back for? And Larry looks at his watch and is like, oh, uh, forever work for you? I was, I was hoping to move in. And Ali like can't speak for a second as she like takes this all in. And then she says, are you... Uh, and then and then Larry, as she's sort of like trying to take it all in, says, well, are, are you thinking about it? Like, I promise I won't shave my legs in the tub. And Ali's like, Larry, I wouldn't be able to take you leaving again. And Larry's like, well, which works out well, because I don't plan to you. I told you before, I'm only at the beginning of loving you. And then he gives her a big old kiss before she can say anything else. Yay! <laughs> Oh. I was really pleased. I mean, despite the fact that RDJ is obviously not in the best shape. No. I was just really pleased to see them back together. Like, yeah. I just loved it. And this is why I find this episode a bit odd, because I'm just like, I don't quite understand. Like, I know you said you think it's an effect that they put on him, like, um, in the bits where she hallucinates him. But I just... I think it looks really shit. <laughs> it makes him look well, I mean, terrible. it's not the first time they've used <laughs> shit effects. I know, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, yeah, oh, it's so nice. So yeah. nice. And so we get a closing montage whilst Vonda sings, For once in my life, I have someone to have to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's such a good song. But anyway, yeah. um, the montage is Ali and Larry kissing as Larry the snowman looks on, slowly melting <laughs> and dying. Um, and Renee and Jackson are having a lovely dinner date. Um, and then we see Ling in her office kind of looking really kind of thoughtful um, and troubled and sad. And she sort of picks up her phone, but then she replaces the handset and changes her mind. I'm not sure who she was planning on phoning. If it was Jackson, he's going to be out. So that was a waste of time. And then John is sat in his like toilet hole armchair, like sad because of his breakup with Melanie. Um, Elaine is teaching Mark some duet kind of armography dance moves. Um, and then Ali and Larry are having a great time getting rid of Larry Snowman because who needs snow Larry when we've got the real deal now? Um, and Ali is kind of wearing the snowman's like hat and, and, glasses, and glasses which um and they're sort of removing the head like trying to deconstruct it basically which descends into snogging because larry and finally <laughs> melanie melanie is walking home in the snow like bawling her eyes out and i was like oh, oh melanie no melanie. <laughs> is that the last Poor time we see her? do we see her again do you know oh good question let's have a look i mean this is kind of going to be a spoiler alert isn't it but I can check. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me check for you. Hold, please, caller. Your call is very important to us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is the last time we see Melanie. Oh, Melanie. Oh, that's sad. Um, yeah, no, that's the last we see of Melanie. Just Melanie just bawling her eyes out on the street. Oh, sometimes Melanie. not the way oh. I think she should have gone. I think it should have been nicer end. Yeah, I mean that's a bit okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's what, the end know, of that episode. Women, women who don't want marriage or children will always end up 
walking the streets crying. <laughs> Forevermore. Forever. That's all they that's what they're doomed to do for the rest of their that's days. That's all they're good for. Walk and cry, walk and cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a nice cheery thought to end the note. End the episode on. Yeah. Verdict of the week. The jury's back. Yeah, so I would like to find John guilty um, because of... And I know he's like the, you know, um, prosecution lawyer or whatever, but like the waves of contempt that he had for... Uh, Mary on the on the stand, like yeah. the the judgment just like rolling off of him, uh, was really quite something to behold. And when you get him, and it's like, yeah, clearly he was playing that up because you know he is supposed to be, um, you know, proving that she duped her husband. Um, but it's that when you see that it is based in real life, in his personal life, like in a root kind of understand, like not understanding why a woman would ever choose not to have children. Like he's so yeah. kind of like, like about well, it. I, like, but, so my thing with John is I have hated this whole way he's conducted and, and kind of dealt with this whole topic with Melanie mm. because th- like the number of assumptions that he made about her wanting children in the first place because he was just like, well, of course she wants children. She's a woman. Who doesn't want children? What normal like, women that's what want. they do. Yeah. That, that's all they're for, you know? Yeah. And the kind of entitlement that he never said explicitly but was kind of implied in a lot of what he was saying which is like I'm a man if I'm with you and we get married that means you want children because they started talking about marriage first Mm. and then this thing came up was like well children are the essence of marriage and I'm like hang on a minute just because which is the crux of this case we're kind of straying into retrial here so I'll try and keep it brief but like just because someone's agreed to marry you doesn't mean they owe you anything other than it does not commitment say to that in, relationship in, in the marriage vows anything about procreating like that's no. not in the I mean, vows the, i mean the, the marriage vows are problematic because as written they say obey which yes. they i know they change in modern times but i wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put any them. stock in anything no, to do with the marriage yeah, vows no, but i know what you mean it's, it's like if it was the essence of it you'd think it would be somewhere in the the vows explicitly yeah like and i just think also like i think um he's very uh, like a part of his anger in the courtroom comes across like look at this awful woman stopping this man from procreating like uh, she's robbing him of his legacy kind of like how awful what a monstrous woman yeah. like and and you know that bit where he's like um oh any woman who wouldn't want to be a mother has no business being a mother like like that yeah. makes a woman that doesn't want to be a mum like some kind of danger to children it's just like what the f- 
fuck are you talking about? And I think like, and I think I especially find part of his issue is like, he has, you can tell he has this really idealised version of what having children means. And I think it's oh, yeah. because he's a man, A, he's a man, but he's a man of that time where men of that time could get away with, like, dumping the lion's share of the childcare and all the actual everyday hard work onto the mother. Like, he, he which leaves, like, and especially if you're a rich man, you absolutely don't have to do any of the hard work. You're just dumping it onto the mum or the wife or, like, uh, you know, hired help. Like, so you yeah. just get all, like, the fun stuff to do. And it's just, yeah. like, so, yeah. So, for you, it's not going to feel like a big deal. You're not the one that has to carry that baby for nine months. Well, You're not the one that has I to love push it out. Nell's- this is why I love Nell's like speech at the beginning in the morn- in the weekly meeting because she was like, "Is he going to be the one giving up his job? Is yeah. he going to be the one that's up in- half the night? Is he going to be one losing sleep? Is yeah. he the one going to be thinking?" It's like, no, 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 no he fucking no, isn't no, because no men were at that time, and even now, even now when it's actually it's not a question of who is getting who is bringing home more money so who gets to keep their job like no one i know can afford to give have one person unless you're super rich no one i know can afford to have one um salary in their house and have someone stay at home um i think and and um i think unless you're super rich or unless you're not earning a lot generally so it actually makes mm. no sense for you to go back to work back because to actually work. the amount you'd be paying in childcare is the same as your salary so there's kind of two ends of the spectrum there but the yes. majority of people that I know who are earning a fairly decent wage still can't afford because of the cost of living to give up work and actually some of them don't want to which is also fair enough and it's great that you have that yeah. option but I just even now even when you've got two partners working full time or almost full time it's still women that do the majority of the work. Of the work. It always yeah. is. It just always fucking is. And I'm constantly having this conversation. And my partner is great. Like he, my husband is brilliant. I cannot sing his praises enough. But he is still a product of the patriarchy. And there are some things he just does not think about that I do. Yeah. Because if I don't, no one will. You know? And this is it. Is I think like there's so much like, and, and I think like um, there's so many couples I know so many couples that are um really trying to break that um yeah we are that that pattern it's so hard and it is so so hard because you've got no model for it it's so it is like trying to figure that out in a fair way is so hard and I just think like and this is the thing it's just it, it and I think you know the fact that John responded to Nell's like ran with like oh you know what is it he said something like oh he said oh you've really hit on the big issues yeah Yeah. and And it's it's like like, actually john that is the big issue because all of those issues mean that she cannot just walk away and go to the her day job like and i just those are the issues it just speaks volumes to his privilege and his 
absolute ignorance of what it actually takes to be a mother. And I think be it's a parent. A really, yeah. Uh, yeah, to be a parent. And I just think like it's, uh, and I think this is especially like a pertinent issue because ever since like it's become kind of common knowledge now, it's become quite of a bit of like a more and more of a like hot button issue because of the declining child birth, like the birth rate in the yeah. West is declining. And so you've got, and suddenly we're getting all these kind of opinion pieces from right wing men who are absolutely do not know what the fuck they're talking about and, and are personally affronted by women who choose not to have children. Like they, they take it as like a personal insult. It's just astounding. Like, yeah, the attitude and it and that it's it's still prevalent today among these yeah like mainly right wing people that I've seen just people being like how dare you and I I just think it it's a really I think it's really interesting because if you think about women's liberation like it's only recently that women have really had the choice to not have children like yeah we are no longer you know because it the, the birth control pill not only that and, uh, and abortion rights and unfortunately that has been rolled back um at a, a horrific pace in in the u.s um mm. like and uh but you know the very fact that women weren't even able to get like credit cards we weren't able to get good you know the the chances of women getting good well-paid jobs like um that paid just as much as men like is a very very recent thing um and so it, it was until we had that unshackling from our biology and then the ability to economically rely on ourselves that we've actually had true freedom to choose whether or not we wanted to have a child. And the fact that so many women in the West have gone, no, actually, I'd yeah. rather not. Because have you seen the men out there? Like, they but don't also, want to be a it, true partner in this with me. Well, yeah. So, but even, so for me, it's it's really difficult because I always knew that I did want children, but I didn't want to be in the situation that so many women have been in before me where you're left to do, it's not fair. It's not fair. But what my, my feeling is still at the moment is even though I've got a partner doing, trying to do this, like an equal share, mm. it's still not equal. <laughs> and so yeah. your, your choice is either like, you know, just accept that if you want to have kids or don't, have them it's like it's just all it's, it's like it's, it feels like you're compromised yeah so for me I'm like so many times I'm like this would just be easier if I was a stay-at-home mum it would be a hundred percent easier if I was a stay-at-home mum because I wouldn't be constantly juggling this tension in my head and that's stressful in and of itself but at the same time I don't want to be a stay-at-home mum so I feel like I'm between a rock and a hard place because it's like yeah. either you're a stay-at-home mum and you you're like well I'm just 
you know, great. I get to help my kids grow up and be there for them. And that's wonderful. And that's like my job, as it were. So I only have to focus on that. But I've compromised something of myself in that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that was never where I saw my career going. Or yeah. I'm in this situation where I'm actually trying to work somewhat. I'm not full time. I do have, I work 80% so does Russ um mm. so we can have a day a week with him each but so I'm kind of like I'm uh, not full time but my time is fully accounted mm. for because obviously the day that I'm not working I'm with him um mm. but it's like I'm constantly not doing enough either like I'm, I'm, things fall through the cracks on both sides and I'm yeah. just constantly having that battle but for me I'm like I'm doing that because I want to try and break down the kind of, well, the woman has to be the one that stays home thing. Mm. But it's it's so hard. It's mm. like the hardest thing I've ever done in my well, life. I mean... It's, and it's not it's, for the faint-hearted. No, it's not. And it's one of those things of like, uh, yeah, like, it, it, it's it's really, really difficult because you're, you're trying to break, you know centuries of 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 oppression effectively within your own like marriage like because you don't have any model you don't have any model of how to do this fairly well also it's not it's not only that we don't have any model, but the system is not the designed to support that model to, no, now. No, it's not. Yeah. So everything's working against you. It's yeah. just like constant stress. It really is. Yeah, no, so, it's, yeah. Uh, and it's just kind of so. Like, yeah, so anytime no I wonder. see someone like John, I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck you, yeah, fuck, fuck you, you sideways, you literally to Christendom and back." What you are talking about, like on either side, you don't understand, uh, like how hard it is uh, for for women who do choose to have children, and you don't understand the reasons for why a woman would quite rightly and quite understandably want to not do that not participate yeah. in that like I just yeah just sit yeah. down and shut up <laughs> yeah go home so yeah so my verdict of the week is less serious um and it's to <laughs> Renee um so I'm oh. giving her a massive not guilty because hey. um honestly she could have torn Ali a fucking new one the amount of like <laughs> sabotage she was doing to her fledgling relationship with Jackson but instead she was calm and she got to sing a fucking sexy duet with Jackson yeah. on at the bar so that is not Props guilty not Renee. guilty for being amazing it's all yeah. coming up Millhouse it's all coming up Radic uh, yeah yeah so, oh, yeah I like that, that one well it's not Eleanor it's not all coming up Radic it's all falling up Radic uh, that's where it comes from. <laughs> we figured it out. We we've figured it out. The code. We've, we've reverse engineered. <laughs> yes. So, what did you think of this episode? Are you happy that Larry is back? Um, are you sad that John and Melanie broke up, or are you secretly kind of sad, but also? it's the right thing to do um let us know we are on bygones uh podcast at um on twitter and on facebook and we're at bygones pod on instagram or you can email us bygones pod at gmail.com but until next time 
So long. Bygones. 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 Farewell. Bygones, bygones, bygones. Nee. Bygones. Bygones. Jesus Christ. For once in my life, I have someone who needs me. Someone I've needed so long. For once unafraid, I can go where life leads me. Somehow I know I'll be strong. For once I can touch what my heart used to dream of. Long before I knew.